Reflect Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, you might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. <laughs> hey guys, are we on? Yeah, we're on. Oh, hello. Do you remember the GoPro? Are we on? Oh, <laughs> this is a weird way to start a podcast, <laughs> but where were we? In New Zealand. Oh, we're in New Zealand. We're eating fashion shops. And uh, we went canyoning, which means we were doing like abseiling and jumping into water and hiking and whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, going through canyons. Yep. Awesome. And we were wearing a GoPro on our head. And we didn't know if it was on or not. And so we'd always be... <laughs> we'd always... Anyone would put the GoPro on and be like, is it on? Is it on? And then the guy was saying how he wanted to make a mirror for a wristwatch for the GoPro so that you could just hold it up to your face that you can see the light. You know see if your GoPro's on. And there was so much uh, hilarious footage of people just staring at this GoPro, like, you know, with their mouth open, squinty eyes, like, huh, huh? Yeah, is it so on? I don't know, is it on? <laughs> Make a Facebook page, so, bro. Yes, we are on. Good, we're on. We don't have a light to let us know. I feel like that was a shit boring story. Nah, it's good. <laughs> if sorry. In, if you're in New Zealand, go canyoning. It's I'm so sorry. Um, but I do want to save myself with a dick joke. Okay, cool. Because my friends. Did you Sam, say big cop or? No, oh. <laughs> because. Okay. That's funny though. It's good. It's fun. <laughs> my friend Sam says in your intro, it says there may be a dick joke or two, and you very rarely tell dick jokes. You, you've, you've informed the people of this before. Yeah, and I'm sorry, guys. I, know, I don't think since I said it last What's time I've told a dick joke. The dick joke is life is like a dick, it gets hard for no reason, and it's too short. Eh? Hey? Uh, hey? <laughs> that's what she said. Tyler, you sexed it. If anyone watches Brooklyn Nine Now, you'll appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So, what are we talking about today? Are we well, gonna, before we get to the topic, yeah, exactly. Uh, what's been going on? Maybe I'll share something that's been going on for the both of us. Mm-hmm. So, Dean and I don't have children, don't want children, but our child is our dog, mm-hmm. and he's been drinking a lot of water lately. Like I'm talking a liter at a time, and he's not a very big dog. He's only like 16 kilos. He's an atrophied English staffy. So, I took him to the vet. And I'm saying this with a straight face because I've already had a few days to cry about it. He has failing kidneys. Mm-hmm. Um, there's four stages and he's at stage two. It's between one and two, they think. Between one and two. And because he's 14 years old, he they said, you know, dogs with kidney failure have months, maybe years in them, depending on, you know, their other health factors and how old they are. Mm. But because he's 14, he's probably only got a few more months and currently, as we speak, he's at our feet snoring. I don't know if you're able to hear him. And we're really sad about it because he's just with us all the time. We work from he's home. He's a permanent fixture within our lives inside a furniture in our house. Yeah. So I, I well, can't actually, imagine my life without Ruben. He's not furniture in our house. We are furniture for him. It's his house. <laughs> he's the king <laughs> of this castle. Too. He decides where he sits. He sat he on my head yesterday, remember? He sat on my foot when I was trying to stretch. <laughs> the reason why I'm immobile is because of him. <laughs> he's the cutest little man. So that's... That's what's going on with us. Yeah. We're kind of coming to terms with that. So uh, it's kind of funny as coaches, funny about no, that? coaches who work in the nutrition space, Yeah. the thing we have to do to try and improve the quality of his life and also extension of life is to modify his diet. Yeah, we need to reduce the protein in his diet to make it easier for his kidneys. Because he was eating a fair chunk of proteins. Yeah, he was. But anyway, yeah, that has been going on. Not the son of a bodybuilder. Low protein diet. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's sad. He, he belongs in Byron. <laughs> a low protein diet. <laughs> he's yeah. eating mainly just, just sweet potato. Fermented vegetables, though. Oh, that's funny. It's not actually true. He's no. not doing that. 
Um, yeah, cool. Well, that was a shit what's going on with your life right now, isn't yeah. it? Hopefully yeah, we right. have some better news for you next time. Like world domination. Like world domination. I don't know. Oh, who knows? <laughs> who knows? I yeah. um, shouldn't be looking at myself in this camera. I got ready in like two seconds for this podcast, whipped my hair up into a grandma bun and put on lipstick. And I like rubbed my, my top and my bottom lip together to try and really like smudge my lipstick in. And I think I rubbed it too far down on my bottom lip. Mm. And I've got this perimeter of lipstick that goes beyond my lip. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Look I can't see it. I can. I'm colorblind. Oh, God damn. That was, I shared a fun fact with the old Instagram humans the other day that I regularly eat semi-ripe bananas unless I have you to tell me if they're yellow or not. That's because true. I'm colorblind. Actually, I had yeah, quite a few guys respond and say, so actually, this is going to say you're red, brown, colorblind, they're yellow and they're green. Exactly. But, that is what I was going to say. What? I had multiple people say, I'm also red, brown, but I have color problems with blue and purple, which I've said to you before I have problems with, and with yellow and green, which I said I've had problems with. So it's a common thing. The biggest problem with being colorblind is you just lack a lot of confidence in regards to whether or not you know what the fuck you're looking for. <laughs> So okay. I just question life every time now. Well, I actually have red eyes, not brown eyes. Did you know that? You are a bit of a devil woman. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, not true. What are we talking about today, Liz? We're talking about choice architecture. And we think that this is, I mean, we can crap on all day about should we eat two grams of protein per kilo of body weight or is three better or, you know, 300 grams of fruit. Is that really enough? Or do we want to eat five? Like these are all specifics that, a small tweaks, one percenters, but choice architecture is something that could make our lives so much easier. Mm. Um, they're small changes that could have a huge impact and it really matters. Yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. This is like one of these things that people say, how do you lose weight? That's easy, calorie deficit. How do you gain weight? <laughs> calorie surplus. Okay, how do you how do you grow muscle? Lift more weight. Mm-hmm. And that's really kind of true. But, but it's the implementation of all of those things done repetitively and sustainably over time that it yeah. those results. And the details in the devil. Yeah. The I mean, devil's in the detail. Ha! Huh. I can speak. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's kind of, I think, this is one of the many facets of coaching that we've come to realize, both probably through um, just application and becoming better at it. Yeah. But then also, like, uh, this confirming, I suppose, coaching tactics and techniques and yeah. stuff like that. With Habit change. Now this has come out of chapter six of Atomic Habits, which is a book the Flex Success Coaches are going through together as we speak. We are discussing chapter seven and eight in this week's meeting, I believe. Mm-hmm. And we, I'm going to explain to you what choice architecture is now, unless you would like to do that, Dean. It's drawing. No. Something about drawing. <laughs> okay. You have a more of a defined version of it. I would just butcher my way through it. Okay. Is it because I've taken excellent notes. notes for this podcast yeah. and you have just rocked You're up? Excellent note taker. <laughs> and I'm along for the ride. Okay. All right. Um, now, choice architecture was explained in Atomic Habits as such. It is when a consumer has options to choose whatever they please to buy but things are placed around a store or a cafeteria or a supermarket or whatever in a way that is more obvious and more appealing to the purchaser. Um, and oh, what's the name of the author? James? Yeah, James Clear, isn't That's it? it? Yeah, yeah. So James talks about this study that was done in Boston where um, somebody was trying to improve the choices of drinks that people were making in the hospital cafeteria. <laughs> And they, they show this 
um, schematic of the cafeteria where the refrigerators are and there were water placed in both fridges as well as soda. Mm-hmm. I hate the word soda. It sounds than, so American. Better than the word fizzy pop, which is a British thing. Fizzy pop? Yep. What the feck? <laughs> Anyways, we'll go with soda because that's what the book called yeah. it. Um, and <laughs> nobody actually spoke to the people purchasing things in this cafeteria. All they did is in, they placed the water in more obvious sections of the two refrigerators mm-hmm. and then also placed baskets of water either side of the register and around the cafeteria in different places. Mm-hmm. So previously, water existed in two fridges in not very obvious places. And then uh, after the experiment or during the experiment, water was actually in 10 locations mm-hmm. uh, between the baskets and refrigerators, but also placed in more obvious places in the refrigerator. And according to my lengthy notes, Dean. Oh, I know the percentages. Oh, do you go? Yeah. There was an 11% decrease in soda. 11.4. <laughs> and, a, and a 25 point, I'm going to say two, just to throw a number on 25 point decrease. Oh, okay. 25% increase in water intake or water purchase. Yeah. They could have just thrown the bottles out. Who knows? But. Yeah. So it looks like it's not just that people were buying less soda and swapping it for water. More people were buying drinks when they chose water. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hmm. Because of choice architecture, because they made the water more obvious and they made it easier to access. This is kind of like a, uh, an increase in visual exposure to a particular cue, but they don't know what the cue is. What the fuck does that have to do with nutrition and training, Dean? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, we just spoke about a nutrition example. I suppose what it has to do with it is that if we can design or architect our environment to support... The architect art- our environment. Yeah. I don't know. That's all right. Let's go with yeah. it. To support our intended goals mm-hmm. or any kind of habits that we want to change to keep them on the book, that it will likely become far easier for you to do that. Because mm. what he says in there is like, you know, motivation sucks, environment rules, mm. something like that. There was like some line that he started off. I actually with. did write down a quote that I wanted to repeat in this podcast yeah. from him. Um, and so essentially what he's talking about with choice architecture is if we, uh, we typically go for the most obvious thing. Yeah, if- he basically reminded me that I'm a monkey. <laughs> that you're that just- was what I took out of it. I'm like, I'm a dumb monkey that just takes what's in front of me and I don't really think about it. You're a victim of your environment, not an architect <laughs> of your environment. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so if we have chocolate and chips at the front of the pantry, it's the first thing we see when we open the pantry, we're probably going to be reaching for that because we're cued and triggered as soon as we see it. <clears throat> Whereas if we hide those things at the back of the pantry, it's still there. We can still choose it. But instead we put fruit in a bowl on the countertop and we walk past it frequently mm. um, called suggestion impulse buying and marketing oh, yes. when we're constantly walking past things. That's or, the end caps. Mm, the end caps. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about end caps in a sec. Um, then we're more likely to eat fruit more often because it's kind of in our face, mm-hmm. out of sight, out of mind, inside, in mind, I guess. Yep. Yeah. You want to talk about end caps? Oh, I suppose that end caps are just like in, in retail, typically the most profitable item that they're trying to sell the most of. What's an end cap? Uh, doesn't explain itself. It's typically like a sales point where they put a, la- a large amount of products at the end of an aisle mm-hmm. or at the front of the store when you first enter it. Mm. So that it's the first thing that you see and you're most likely to purchase. Whenever I'm lining up like Woolies or Reject Shop or whatever, I, I shop at high class places. Yeah. Um, there's always those freaking half price sneakers bars that just mm. t- like, come on, Lizzie. You know yeah, me. every Coles has massive. I'm only that. 98 cents. <laughs> They have massive end caps and they also are very good at obviously doing point of sale additions, cheap additions, mm. you know, 
So that's suggestion impulse buying. And we can have suggestion impulse buying in our own environment by hiding the chocolate and making the fruit obvious and putting the fruit on our end caps, which might be our countertops mm. of the kitchen. What about putting an apple in the front of the fridge mm-hmm. and then a piece of chocolate directly behind it? So then when you take the apple, you go, I'm such a good boy, eat the apple in there, and now I get a treat. <laughs> like that's a not dog. What we want, really. No, that's not what we want. Okay. The chocolate should be hidden <laughs> a little bit better than just behind an apple. Now, let me read this quote to you. Mm. People drink, this is from James Clear, by the way, a quote from chapter six. People drink Bud Light because it's in every bar and visit Starbucks because it's on every corner. Wow, I can hardly read my own writing. Uh, We like to think we're in control. If we choose water over soda, we assume it's because we want to do so. The truth, however, is that many of the actions we take each day are not shaped by purposeful drive, but by the most obvious option. Again, monkeys. Again, monkeys. Yeah. (laughs) So I thought maybe... Uh... But I think this stacks well. So like mm-hmm. in, in this book, previous to this in, in uh, prior chapters, yes. he talked, talked, man. He talked. He talked about uh, essentially that habits can be formed uh, subconsciously or unconsciously. Yeah. Which is the right terminology there. Subconsciously. Subconsciously. And, you know, they're the things that you do repetitively and you're, you're like, your brain will sometimes create habits and, and all the rest of it without you even really knowing it. And then this choice architecture lines up quite well because you could have a bunch of bad habits that you don't really realize that you've, you've created. And it's probably the case that choice architecture is also playing into that. And if we can manipulate the environment, it's more likely that you'll serve a good habit change mm. as opposed to just being super motivated to change yeah. and doing nothing about the environment. Yeah, because people do rely on willpower and motivation quite a lot, which we know not only are finite resources, but it comes and goes. Like we're not motivated all the time. Mm-hmm. We just do things because we've set the habit and we've set a standard and our environment is set up to make good choices easy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's plenty of times I've trained when I didn't want to. Huh. Yeah. Likewise, yeah. that I haven't eaten the food that I wanted to. Mm. But it's probably just because of that repeat or repetition of good behavior mm. and also living a life based on certain values. But that's another topic. Is there anything that you can think of off the top of your head where like an example of choice architecture, any, I don't know. I don't probably have uh, any habits that I would define as being typically bad mm-hmm. because of the environment. So I think our house is kind of set up. No, but I mean like how have you set up your environment to make good choices easy? Is what I'm yeah. Asking. So what I was going to say is like, I think my current, like how I, how I get through life, it's, I think it's fairly good, but whenever I try to increase or change a behavior or add a new behavior, that I find difficult. Okay. So one of them is taking my blood pressure on the regular. Yeah. And we sit at my desk to do podcasts and I have my blood pressure up here because I sit down here every day. So I sit down, I see it and I go, oh, I should probably do my blood pressure. So it's like a constant reminder. Yeah. It just sits on something that I'm at all the time. You yeah. know, um, I have probably a similar thing in that I use a digital calendar and I, I now have my training allocation on my digital calendar. Mm-hmm. So every day when I open up my digital calendar, see what my tasks are for the day, I'm reminded in big blue blocks. Training time is 12 p.m. Yeah. Um, so there are two things that I've probably done in the last six months that have had a, a big impact on the consistency of those behaviours. Yeah. Happening every week. Yeah, cool. What about you? Uh, I was really struggling with taking my iron supplement because I was a vegetarian as a child for a long time and dipped in and out of anemia. And I just, even though I eat sufficient food that contains heme iron, I still struggle. And so what I do is if I put my iron uh like little tub in the cupboard i just sort of forget about it so i just keep it out on the countertop Hmm. and we're not talking about habit stacking right now but i've also stacked it i want to take it once a day so i've joined it or stacked it with a habit that i do 
at least once a day, which is brushing my teeth, do it twice a day, mm -hmm. or whatever. So first thing in the morning, I get up, I reach for my toothbrush, and I think, oh no, I've got to take my iron before I brush my teeth. Yep. Um, so I have my iron in an obvious spot and I've stacked it with that habit. And the good thing about those two going together actually is that you don't want to typically take iron coffee, right? Yeah, exactly. And you ain't drinking coffee with fresh breath. No, no, no. I brush my teeth, I walk the dog, I do some laundry, I have breakfast like an hour, mm. or coffee like an hour or two later. Mm. Yeah. Um, in winter time, I really struggle to get to the gym in the morning if I'm, I'm training in the morning at that point in time because it's cold and it's dark and I really like to stay in bed. <laughs> And what I do to make training easier or a way to set up my environment to make good choices easy is before I go to bed that night, I figure out what I'm wearing for training the next morning. Obviously, if I'm training arms, it's something sleeveless because hashtag body builder. Not when you first walk in. <laughs> oh, no, there's a jumper yeah. and you warm up with the jumper on as soon as exactly. you have a pump. That's how I got you. We got it. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> we got it sorted. So I organize my clothes the night before and I put that um, in the bathroom. So when I go to the bathroom to take my iron tablet to brush my teeth, my clothes are right there. I don't have to think about it or fumble around in the dark. Yeah. And I'm just kind of removing the obstacles between me and the good decision. Yeah. I will. This will sound quite simple, but I even, so in my bathroom, because we're so fancy, we have two bathrooms. We have separate bathrooms. Really. But um, I used to keep my vitamins and minerals in a, uh, a drawer that was down near my feet. Uh -huh. And then I also have a cabinet in front of my face. Yeah. And I always go to the cabinet in front of my face. I don't typically always go to the drawer. And even just the act of bending down is extra effort, despite it sounding ridiculous. It does sound ridiculous. I moved my vitamins and minerals to the top mm -hmm. because I knew every time to open it, I'd look at it every day. Like I open that thing every day. And every day I'm just reminded you have morning vitamins and minerals, you have nighttime night vitamins and minerals. And then when I started taking my blood glucose, I was like, where can I put this to remind me to do this? I put it with my vitamins and minerals. Yeah. So now it's just the same thing. Like every day I open up, I have got to take those this morning. It's obvious. And you laugh at me for my organization. Yes, Dean. But on the left side mm -hmm. is morning. On the right side is night. Oh my God, of course it is. <laughs> but it's made it so easy for me. That's good. And I think this is uh, like the more examples people can appreciate, then they can actually start to look at probably like their household and go, all right, what's currently getting in my way or creating more resistance as you put it mm. and then what is actually what kind of change mm. or how can we change the architecture of the home to support the goals that are intended to uh, embark on yeah one thing to keep in mind is um let's say you veg out on the couch at night time and that's a habit that you've gotten into and a habit you want to break instead of sitting on the couch with um celery sticks that might feel really difficult because You've been cued, that's the mm. couch. You've been triggered, it's nighttime. You have a craving for chocolate. Um, instead of trying to change the behavior in the same environment, you can try and find a new environment. So go out into the garden and play with your dogs. And just, I don't want to use the word distraction because we could urge surf as well, mm. but, but find a new environment or go read a book in bed. And that way you're not cued and triggered in the same place. You're building new habits in new places, which is so much easier. And once it's broken, maybe you can migrate back to the couch and enjoy a herbal tea there yeah. and not feel so triggered. Or even, like you said, you could practice some form of urge surfing on that couch. So like most people sit down and they bring the block of chocolate with them to the couch. <laughs> I'll only have four squares. Yeah, okay. And then it's within... Why'd you bring a whole block know? then, sweetheart? So like, yeah, let's maybe bring two. Let's have a cup of tea first. Let's fill up. And then we'll have the chocolate as the finisher. Mm. You know. We spoke about urge surfing in another podcast, but as a quick reminder, urge surfing means that we're not trying to not think about the chocolate. 
um, or beer or whatever you're craving. We're not trying to distract ourselves from it because if um, we're trying to not think about a pink elephant, don't think about a pink elephant thing. What are you thinking about? A purple elephant. <laughs> you're not. You're thinking about the bloody pink elephant. Um, and research suggests that when we're trying so hard not to think about something, that's all we can think about and it consumes us. Um, and very rarely do people actually succeed in distracting themselves or not thinking about the thing they're trying not to think about. So urge surfing would suggest that you accept that you're having a craving. We acknowledge the way that we're feeling, but we also know that it's just a feeling and it too will pass mm. with time, depending on how frequently and how intensely the uh, cravings are coming will depend on, you know, how quickly you can expect it to pass. But it's called surfing because urges are like a wave it has a trigger, the beginning of the wave, a peak, the peak of the wave, and it will pass. It crashes eventually mm -hmm. like a wave. And most people give in at the peak when it's about to crash anyways. So that's a quick quick summary reminder of, yeah. of urge surfing. It's a good one. Yeah. Tis a good one. Tis. Tis, Dean. Uh, anything else on choice architecture? No, I guess. What about some, some other examples? Like he used the Apple example. I think that's a great one uh, in that. He used to buy apples. He'd put them in the crisper. Mm -hmm. He'd forget about the apples. The apples would go off. He'd throw them in the bin. Yeah. Uh, and then he started and just simply just moved those apples to the countertop where he saw them every day. Yeah. So, fantastic. So simple. I guess one that a lot of my clients struggle with is a lot of people have a racing mind before bed and they can't stop thinking about what this person said to them at work or the, the principal got their kid in trouble again or whatever, whatever. Um, they... A lot of people find that reading books before bed helps relax their mind and they can fall asleep, but it's just not a habit that they're in and they get to bed and they put the blanket over them and like, oh, the book's downstairs. So uh, in regards to another example of choice architecture is always making sure that there's a book on your pillow, on your side table, you know, in your bedroom somewhere. So when you get into bed, you have the trigger, you've seen the book, it's right there and there's little friction between you and, and the good decision. Mm. Yeah, it's a good one. There's so many of them. The water bottle. Yeah, so a lot of people get to the end of the day, they're like, fuck, I don't even know if I've drunk water today. Mm. Is water and coffee, does that count? Having a yes. two-litre, <laughs> two well, if, if let's say your, your daily target is three litres, having a two-litre bottle of water there and finishing it before 4 p.m., for example, so you only have one litre between 4 p.m. and, and and bedtime is a really good one because it's a constant reminder. The two liter bottle is there in front of you, out of sight, out of mind. Mm. I will say anecdotally on that, I have found it probably more success, more success in people having multiple small bottles like he mentioned okay. uh, in his. So he mentioned about basically having, if you had a three liter target, have three one liter bottles and put them in three different places. No, I don't remember that. Um, so he basically, you know, you put one at your desk, you put one in your car, and you put one in your gym bag. Okay. And then by the end of the day, you're like, oh, yeah, I saw that three times and I drank it three times. Okay. The reason why I found that to be a little bit more successful is because a two-liter bottle requires effort to carry around, mm -hmm. you know? It's a two-hand um, situation. And some people just like, oh, yeah, I put that down and I grab it later and they forget it. Unless you put it down on your desk where you are. Yeah, for someone like ourselves who sit here and like someone in an office work for sure. Um, but sure, I, someone who's walking around. Yeah, so anyone that I found that's shifted in and out of like different places they work, I typically would say the same thing. Like you take a liter bottle with you, Typically, it's going to be habit stacked with another good behavior, like going for a walk, you drink your food, take your dog, you drink your food. I what? said you drink your food. What? You can do that too. Drink your water. Drink your water. Um, but yeah, all it would take is the one thing that's probably the take home message on this is that it's going to take a conscious effort to sit down and think about your unconscious behaviors mm -hmm. and what in your house is currently set up or your lifestyle is set up 
to not support your goals. Hmm. But once you pen them down, it'll become quite clear. And then there's probably some really easy solutions to um, improve the architecture of your environment. Yeah. Actually, one thing you brought up in the meeting, last week's meeting, when we discussed chapter five and six, was that a lot of people think about, because Dean just suggested to think about your habits and think about like, are they serving you? Are they not serving you? How could we adjust them? A lot of people don't realize the habits that they're in. And so, Dean, the suggestion you made was to ask people to think about their routine. Yeah. They get up in the... Because I don't feel like I'm in a habit of taking my vitamin, my, my iron tablet in the morning. It's just part of my routine. Yeah. So, write down step by step. You get out of bed. You do a wee. You check your instrument, like whatever it is. And um, if that might make it really obvious to you what your habits are. Mm. And then even as you walk around the house to go through your routine, because it would probably be easy to do that too, I imagine. Like sitting down and going, this is what I do all day is difficult. But if you actually act it out, it's probably a lot easier. You can then even just start to make notes on that same notepad. Like, oh, every time I walk down here, I see this. Or, you know, every time I open up the fridge, the first thing that I always see is chocolate. Yeah. You know, and then you can start to like fan off that and go, oh, what can I change? Chocolate's going to go to the back of the fridge. Apples are going to go to the front of the fridge. Yeah. Or I get home from work and I always crash out on the couch and never actually make it to the gym. Mm. Maybe you could pack your gym clothes in your car and go to the gym on the way home from work. Yeah, put it on your front seat. Yeah, put it on the front seat. So every, when you get in your car after work, you're reminded of gym clothes will go to the gym. Or even if that's not possible, it may even be something if you are a crash out on the couch, you fold your clothes up and you put them on the couch and then you leave home. And then when you get home, you have to take them off the couch if you want to sit on the couch. And the chances are you'll probably be like, motherfucker, I'll put them on and go to the gym. Maybe. Yeah, it depends on how motivated you are. Yeah. But these are all just like little ideas and everyone, I think, so long as you can choose a, a path that has the least amount of resistance for yourself, it'll likely make this far more successful. Mm. And I think a lot of people might feel like they're a little bit too advanced for um, improving their choice architecture. And for a lot of people that have already set up good routines, you probably have done it subconsciously anyways. Yeah. But I think everybody could make little tweaks to their day-to-day -day life to stop relying so much on motivation and willpower. Because when things get tough and those finite resources are exhausted, I think we all slip into the, the easier option. So, and that would be the bad decision. But if the easier option was the good decision because our environment was set up as such, mm then we would get to our goals faster or maintain them longer. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Cool. Is that a drum roll? Yeah. Okay. No, that was like a bunch. Oh. Done. Okay. You know? cool. Hey, what are we sharing? Something we're sharing this week. This is going to fucking blow your minds. We're sharing the book, <laughs> Atomic Habits, which is the book that we're talking, what we've got choice architecture from today. Yeah. It's fucking legit. It's great. It has some absolute pearls, as does. some would say in regards to one lives Because I think a lot of the stuff that I do, um, it just feels like second nature to me, I'm like uh, problem solving skills, but it doesn't come so naturally to some people. Mm. Um, and the book has helped me put a name to that behavior. Yeah. Um, or kind of even condense what I would say to that person into a few sentences and just make it more pithy and digestible. Mm. And, oh, that's a good idea, you know, instead of this, this novel. I would agree. There's a bunch of stuff that I was listening to and I'm like, I do that, but that's a great way of putting it. Or, yeah. You know, I coach like that. 
And that's a fantastic way to explain it. Mm-hmm. And every, every week I've listened to a new chapter because we have the audible version. Something from there has gone in my check-ins. Yeah, cool. You know, and every week someone in the client sort of cohort have gone. That's fantastic. Kelly actually, uh, Blanchfield, my client, bikini competitor, she's now got the book. Oh, does she? Yeah, she's oh. like, this book is amazing. My client, Bonnie, has it too. Yeah, so She's reading it. It's worth sharing because it's worth reading. It is definitely worth reading. Mm. I know the quote that you like from the book is winners and losers have the same goals. Mm. It's a cracker. Yeah. Winners are unpick just... Unpick that one. <laughs> it's just that winners have the right habits. I said unpick again. I said unpack. Which one is it? I don't know, Dean. Yeah, I keep fucking that up. Me English you good just, at. You just sort this shit out. <laughs> Um, cool. So that's how something we're sharing. Yeah, and it's by yeah, James Clear. Oh, would you rather? Would All you right. rather's under here? Let's do it. I I picked some some cards. How about you? Hang on. What about? Is there a, what's going on with Flex? We'll do it after the Would You Rather. All right. We don't want to finish on the laugh. No, we'll do that. All right. Are you going to pick for me? Yeah, I'm going to read one to you, and then you read one All to right. me. Would you rather, as a man, have a fully functioning penis on your forehead? Is this a joke? No. <laughs> or no penis at all? Oh. Um, do I require any follow-up questions? Is is the fully functioning penis visible all the time? Like, yeah, it's on a, your can forehead. I wear a cap or a beanie. Well, I guess you would have to turn Hindu to like. Does it have testicles? No. What about pubic hair? Yes. Hang on, so it's just a shaft. Yeah, just a penis. Circumcised or not circumcised? Doesn't matter. I feel like it. Look, a circumcised. Look, I'm actually going to go no penis. Really. Yeah. I can do a lot of other things. You would probably be single though. Yeah, but I can just wear a sh- By the time... Were you going to you know, say I could wear a strap on? Yeah, I was. <laughs> but, but like, there's got to be enough like good toys out there that I can still play the game. A penis, I'm not going to get laid if I have a penis on my head. <laughs> like, who's going to date a dude with a penis on his head? That's true. You would be single either way. So, yeah. And yeah. what, I'm going to headbutt you? <laughs> Is that what I'm do? That's so great. All right. I love it when my boyfriend headbutts the fuck out of me. (laughs) Okay, Okay, man. That's me. Go. (laughs) We're picking cards for those who are just listening and not watching. Would you rather Uh pee yourself in public once a week or shit yourself in private daily? Oh, fuck. Will I be able to wear a pad in anticipation? Okay. So I have to like have a full wet patch. Yes. I'd rather shit myself in private day. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm going with. I didn't state that in public there were people around. Well, I thought in public means. No, it just means you're out in the community. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. If I'm bushwalking. You could also be in public at the beach in the water. You had so many options and you just decided to shit yourself. <laughs> you just want to be more Look, like... I'm going with it, guys. I'm going with it. I'm sticking <laughs> with it. More like Jim Jeffries. That man has shit himself multiple times. Apparently. I've actually never shit myself before. Yeah, neither have I. I went away on a girls' weekend and um, <laughs> we were quite open with each other and the girls were telling me hilarious stories. One of the girls, shall I name her? No, no. I won't. Um, she was dating this guy and the first time they ever shared a bed, they woke up in the wee hours of the morning, pun intended, and she was like, mate, you've got to get out of the bed. I just peed. What? Yeah. Was she I, drunk though? I don't think so. I think she just peed the bed. I don't know. Maybe she was. So there's, there's a podcast for what? Abiyad, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, and they were talking about, yeah, have you ever shit yourself in the gym before? And the two of them were like, yeah, I've definitely sharded like while squatting. No. You know, like thought it was a fart, a little bit of extra came out. And the other guy was like thinking they actually had dropped a full shit in their pants. Oh and but they were like, what do you mean? Of course, like I would say most people. Have no, that's that. not true. Well, it was a 66% yes in that podcast. Really? Well, there was only three people. Oh, okay. 
I thought you meant they put a poll out and like everyone. Well, voted. apparently Fuad was going to, but I don't know what the results were. Well, I nearly wet myself on uh, the leg press. I was just straining so hard, and I felt like I felt like it was about to happen, and I was like, "Ah!" Oh! I held it in. We're all good, but it nearly happened. And actually, when I did CrossFit for like a second of my life. Um, during double unders, whenever I would do double unders, I felt like it was going to I might put a poll out on Flex this week. Mm. I mean, this podcast won't come out. Oh, actually, it might. Come out at a similar time. But yeah, apparently it's somewhat common. Hey, next time me and you record a podcast, mm. we need... I have so many great wee stories. So many great Something wee stories. Something to be proud of. Um, it's, I have, I'll clearly have no shame. I'm telling you, like, I nearly wet myself on the leg press and nearly doing double unders. Double but, unders is a common thing, though. There's videos of women pissing all over the box. Oh, I feel so much less alone. <laughs> that's, got a, that's got a double meaning. Pissing on boxes? Or out of it. That's funny. Um, yeah, cool. I'll save some good wee stories for the next podcast. Yeah. Uh, what's new with Flex? What's new with Flex? Well, I'm... Two quick things and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. I'm balls deep in writing the new Flex Success book. I have not decided on the name yet. I'm thinking not just a low-calorie hacks book because it's going to be a book with some awesome recipes like lasagna and stuffed capsicum and Vietnamese noodle salad, but low-calorie versions of it. And also a whole bunch of common supermarket products that you may not be aware of that are really handy uh, low-carb swaps. Plus a little bit of education too. Oh, right. So that's the, it's not just a low calorie hacks book. So they're the low calorie hacks, but there's so much more to it as well. We're talking about hunger management, cravings management. um, Why you need to know about these foods and how that interrelates with. Yeah. Kind of what low calorie even means for you. Cause that means different things to different people. Um, And calories aren't the only thing that matter. We also need to look at adequate protein. What do we mean by adequate protein? Mm. So I'm keeping the theory uh, as summarized and condensed as possible. Cause I don't want it to be a novel but I'm still giving theory that I hope will be really helpful for people um, to yeah. take away. Yeah. Looking cool. And figure out what the details mean for them. Not just low calories, 1,200 calories. Is it really? Mm. Could be. Maybe not. Not for me. What about you, Dean? What's I going mean, on? I mean, all them calories. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I just, uh, maybe we are five weeks into the product that we released called the Composition Corner, which is a product that I'm currently running. And essentially it's... um. It's group education in a private community mm-hmm. run through our website in the member section with individual check-ins for people that are looking for body composition goals. Hence the name, the composition corner. I like it. Um, Very creative. And yeah, it's going really great. We've got a good amount of people. The cool thing about this program too, or, or product is that um, it's ongoing. So it's kind of like, so long as there's spaces, like I think I'll allow for up to 20 people. So long as there's spaces you can join. And if it's on the website, it's available. Um, mm-hmm. And then once the 20 people are maxed out, It'll go away. And yeah, we'll see how it goes. But yeah. so far, it's been really um, successful and fun. So if I was to join the composition corner, mm-hmm. and what does that mean? Do you like give me a training program or something? Like, how so no work? training program. So you'll get um, access to a macronutrient tracker, which will also give you macronutrient guidelines around weight gain or muscle gain, mm-hmm. fat loss or maintenance. Okay. And if you want to do calorie cycling or carbohydrate cycling or not. Okay. Um, it gives you three different options and then that starts you off in week one. Okay. You get access to the community, which is basically a free for all to ask as many questions as you want about any topic, nothing off guard, uh, no, nothing off topic. Could I ask about like your family history? Yeah. I'd answer. <laughs> I'd answer. No, it has to be nutrition, nutrition training. training, pharmacology related. Okay. Um, and I answer that every day throughout the week, except for the weekends. 
And then, um, which that's going awesome. That's been a really, really good part of it. People and then, are asking good questions. Yeah. And then once a week, you get a, you check in for me with some data, things like macros that you hit and steps and a whole bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I give you feedback um, once a week as well. Like in response to that, personal feedback on how your week's gone and what my um, suggestions would be for the weeks moving forward for you to achieve the particular goal you're okay. looking to achieve. Yeah, cool. And that's done by video recording. Mm. So you get my ugly face on your screen for and however much time I need to give you the answers that I need to give you. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's a once a week check-in and the reason why it's a little bit different is because one-on-one clients essentially have access to me as an individual 24 seven. No, that's a lie. There's no such thing. 24 seven. Like 16, eight. <laughs> no, I don't know. Daily. Let's say daily. Um, and, uh, they also obviously get a, a large check-in from me too. And, and diets. Diets and, and training programs. It's a lot more like personalized, personalized. Yeah. Um, but obviously there's a cost variance there, so it's a bit cheaper to get into the composition corner. Yeah, so the composition corner is like more like questions and guidance. Questions Whereas one-on-one guidance. coaching is like in-detail programs. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of education associated with that to you as an individual, whereas composition is group education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fair enough. Cool. It's been cool. Love it. Well, you have a call in four minutes with a client, I believe, I Dean. Do. So we're out of here, folks. <laughs> Hopefully we don't have to talk about him being himself. The client that you're talking to? <laughs> Who knows where the conversation will go, Dean? It (laughs) it might. All right. Uh, Until next time. Arriba Dirty. Bye. (laughs) See ya.